Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, we've got a very exciting guest for you. We've got Hilary Boynton, and uh, I'll introduce. I'll ask Hilary to introduce herself, and then we'll learn a bit about her, and then we'll dive into some nutrition. So, Hilary, tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you kind of do. Well, thank you so much for having me. I actually am truly humbled to be here. I looked at your your previous podcasts and feel really honored to be a part of um, such an amazing group of individuals that you've had as guests. So thank you for having me. I hope I can shine some light on some areas for, for your audience and, um, and give some hope and some empowerment for sure. Uh, because like we just said, you know, my story, uh, I wasn't always where I am today. You know, I had to go through a lot to get to where I am. And I believe that kind of makes us who we are, right? We sometimes have to go through the hard stuff to get to the aha moment of, okay, you know, and that clicks and now I get it. And you kind of go from there. So my journey um, started about, well, let's see, like 20 years ago, almost. I, uh, it's hard to hear that those words come out of my mouth, but my kids are, my oldest are 17. So I, I, I fell for the, the fat-free fad back in high school, so in the 90s, high school and college, and really fell for it like hook, line, and sinker. My mom fell for it, and in our house, it was out with the bacon and eggs and in with the cereals and, you know, Weight Watchers, fat-free desserts and stuff like that. Like, it just was the big fad, and we all thought fat was the devil, and so, and at the, that time, too, I was a hardcore soccer player and played in, in high school and in college on regional teams, national stuff. And, uh, and so I was like burning my body to the brink, like really just and refueling it with total junk. And, um, and I, I almost like looking back, I can't believe that that's that I fell for that. And I wanted to design my own major of nutrition and fitness. I thought I had this whole thing all figured out. And it wasn't really until I got married at 25 and then got pregnant, surprisingly got pregnant at 26 and miscarried right away. And that was like very devastating to me. I didn't really even know what a miscarriage was. I had never really heard of anybody who had had one. And I went on to have four miscarriages over the next three years. So it was really a very, very dark time in my life where I just, you know, my friends started having babies and siblings started having babies. And I just thought, why is my body not able to carry a baby? And, and, you know, I didn't know I didn't, nobody said anything about diet and lifestyle, really. There was kind of like um, mindfulness was coming in then, and there were some mindfulness programs at the fertility clinics and whatnot. And I went through all the fertility stuff, and the longer it went on, the, um, you know, looking back, I think the stress started to play a huge role in the whole process of everything. It just was, my nervous system was just a big ball of stress. And so, um, but I ended up being blessed with triplets from uh, fertility treatments. And so it was just like, you know, three years of infertility, three babies, all is well, and everything's great. And I had these three um, miraculous miracles. And I was like very relieved and excited and it was overwhelming, but it was amazing. And then when they were three, we thought, well, maybe we should try and have one more just to see what it's like to have one baby. And and boom, I got pregnant right away. And I thought, oh, for sure, I'll have a miscarriage. I'll have to go back to fertility treatments. And I, um, he stuck. And then when he was six months old, I found out I was pregnant with my fifth baby. So I had five babies under the age of four. And so talk about a nervous system all whooped up. I really, <laughs> it was exciting, but at the same time, like my body was just crushed. 
And, but what happened was my fourth baby at about two months old was covered in eczema. And I just was like, what is going on and why is this happening? And I, you know, tried to seek out as much information as I could and went to all the doctors and had all the allergy tests and gave up all these foods so I could breastfeed him and nothing really seemed to work. And they finally had him on Zyrtec twice a day and steroid creams and all that kind of all of a sudden he was sleeping through the night. Like I used to have to pin him to my chest for like two hours in the middle of the night because he was just scratching and scratching. It was really heartbreaking. Then I had these three, three-year-olds that were running around. So it was crazy. And then I was pregnant. And so I, at that point too, I had ironically decided, I had come across Jamie Oliver and Alice Waters and the work they were doing around school lunches. And I thought, this is in incredible. And I wanted to be a part of it. And so I started to dive into my school lunch system in Massachusetts and, you know, I didn't even have kids in, in school yet, but I just thought it was just such an injustice, what was, what they were being served. And so I ended up meeting this woman, um, Kristen Canty, who has, she's a producer of Farmageddon, which is a great movie or documentary. And she had tried to change the school lunches prior. And she said, you know, I'll jump back in the ring. I got nowhere, but I'll jump back in. If you're really passionate about it, I'll help you. And she, I told her about my son that was struggling with eczema and she kept talking about the Weston A. Price Foundation. And she kept saying Weston Price this and Weston Price that and throwing journals at me. I was like, what is she talking about? And um, anyway, long story short, I put him on raw milk and cod liver oil. And I didn't even know what raw milk was. I was raised on skim milk and I was just like, what is it? But I, I didn't care at that point. I was so desperate that I was like, I will, it had healed her child of, uh, allergies, severe allergies. And so I put him on raw milk and cod liver oil and he was healed within like two months, like everything gone. And now he's 14 and thriving. And every doctor had said, oh, we'll probably have asthma and eczema and allergies. They just kind of run hand in hand. He might outgrow it, but who knows, you know? So I was just like, wow, real food just healed my child. When every doctor said, this is, you know, his lot in life. And um, so I knew, I knew with the, the steroid cream and the Zyrtec and stuff that when I didn't put it on, it would just flare. Uh, so I knew it was a bandaid. So I knew something was going on deeper than what I could discover. And when the, the food healed him, I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And then sure enough, I went to a Weston Price conference and I heard Sally Fallon speak and I can explain who or what the foundation is. The, the Weston A. Price Foundation is based on the research of, a, of Dr. Weston A. Price, who was a dentist in Ohio in the 20s and 30s. And he saw things changing in his practice. People were had narrowing of the jaw and crooked teeth and more cavities. And he just wasn't, it didn't used to be like that. So he was very curious. And he and his wife traveled around the world to all these little pockets of um, you know, small tribes and communities that were non-industrialized that hadn't been exposed to the white flour and the white sugar and the processed foods. And they were living very close to uh, the land and what they had available. And he found people thriving free of disease, perfectly broad bone structure, perfectly straight teeth, you know, enough room in their mouth for their teeth and no cavities, no heart disease, no cancer. And anyway, he studied their diets and, uh, you know, they varied based on where they were across the world, but they had these nutrient dense foods that they all had in common from the, you know, using the whole animal to bone broths to fermented foods and raw foods. And so it was, uh, I mean, I'm so thankful that he did his research because I don't think we could find these populations very easily at all right now, but he, he studied their diets and then one generation removed, 
when in came the white flour and the white sugar, in came the narrowing of the jaw and the crooked teeth and the disease sets in. So it all made perfect sense to me. And when I, and he documented it all with photographs and wrote a book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. And, and so Sally Fallon started this foundation based on his research and she gives an amazing talk about his research. And I was sitting there, you know, still trying to learn all with my latte from Starbucks and just like, oh my gosh, like what I have been duped my whole life. You know, I was just like, oh my gosh. And then I walked out of the, uh, her lecture and the Amish were all set up with like all these amazing foods from sprouted nuts to grass-fed beefs and raw butter and kefir. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And they, wow, the Amish are here. Like it was just this whole eye-opening experience. And I ended up running an Amish co-op. They needed somebody to run a co-op in Massachusetts. So I was like, I will do it. So for six years, I kind of ran this underground co-op. Um, I mean, it was a membership, so it was a little underground, but I had to cross state lines or whatever. But I wanted people to have access to these nutrient-dense foods and to be, to be um, you know, liberated and that food is medicine and understand this concept that you can, you can be healthy and thriving and free of disease. And I was actually just thinking about it this morning. Like it's sort of a, it's become sort of normal that you have children that something's off like that. They, like I had, so not only did I have the eczema baby, but I had three boys with speech delays. I had one that had a tick and I have a daughter with epilepsy and, um, you know, there, it just see, I was just thinking about all the developmental delays that are just so prevalent and not to mention chronic disease and stuff, but it's just become accepted. Like everyone's just like, oh, I have to go to the speech therapist because my kid's speech delayed. And there's no question as to why that is, you know, it's just the norm. So, um, so fast forward, I, I had realized the power of food is medicine and I have this daughter with epilepsy and I wanted to help her. And I had been to more and more Western Prize conferences and had heard Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride speak, who's the creator of the GAPS diet. She's a neurologist and nutritionist, and she uh, healed her child of autism, who's now in his 20s, I think, or 30s, maybe. And um, But the GAPS diet stands for the gut and psychology syndrome, syndrome so the gut-brain connection. Um, and so I learned all about the gut, and that was really uh, sort of triggered something in me like maybe this is what my family needs and I had a medical intuitive say like your whole family needs the GAPS diet and so as soon as she's okay, those words came out of her mouth we basically like started the next week and um, my husband and I, at that point I'd started teaching cooking classes out of my home and wanting to bring moms in and just share everything that I had learned and shout it from the rooftops and uh, and I was doing GAPS with my family and one of the girls the women in my class was also on the GAPS diet and she was a photographer and we were both sort of overwhelmed by the whole thing. It's this two-year protocol or it can be. And there was just this very informative book from Dr. Natasha, but nothing really beautiful about it that said like, you know, oh, I want to make that or I want to cook this or I want to learn how to make bone broth. It was just all writing and I'm a very visual learner. And so she said to me, um, the woman in my class said, we should write a cookbook. And I said, we should. And so we pitched it and we got this book deal and we just dove right in and, you know, we created this book. We wanted to create a roadmap for families and moms. I wanted moms to be able to like curl up in bed with their cookbook and just be like, I can do this. I can just use like beautiful, real food and heal my family or myself. And, um, and then we, 
So we wrote the book and literally the day, like the week maybe that I handed the book over to the publisher to be edited, my husband was diagnosed with throat cancer. And so then everything like stepped up a notch and, you know, I knew so much about the immune system and the gut and I could, you know, we had just started the GAPS diet. So we had seen improvements, but, you know, cancer doesn't come overnight. It's something that had been developing for years. And, and I just, you know, this is one of the reasons I'm so, so passionate about waking people up and preventing disease because I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And he, you know, he went through a time. We didn't, we, we went a very alternative route. We didn't tell anybody for like eight months because we basically rebuilt his entire immune system from the inside out and his, you know, mind, body, spirit, everything. And then we ended up picking up and moving across the country to California, to Los Angeles for get out of stress and, you know, sunshine and just more alternative therapies. And so we landed in Los Angeles and literally the week we landed in Los Angeles, my book came out. So it was published. And here I was all of a sudden, like, I didn't know anybody really. And I was in this sea of people from around the world. And, you know, whereas in Massachusetts, it was very, you know, there was just my, I don't know, it was just very, what's the word I'm looking for? Just people from New England, basically, and not many people from around the world. So are not as diverse. And I was just like, got kind of hit the ground running. And my husband was in um, some treatment. And uh, I just started to promote my book and just share it with people. And everybody that I would meet from another country was just like, this is the way we ate growing up. And we were never sick. And it resonated so deeply with them. And that like I started to, and they were mostly elders, right? And so they had seen that their kids or their grandkids, like disease had started to set in and they weren't sure why and what was happening. And, but all of a sudden they saw these pictures or like organ meats or bone broths, things that all of a sudden triggered this, like, wow, we used to have that. Like now thinking back, we had that growing up. And, you know, a lot of people come to America and just become Americanized and maybe still cook a little bit traditionally, but it's harder to find, or they, they start sub substituting things that, you know, like re- vegetable oils or whatever for t- traditional fats and, you know, cause they just don't know. And um, so then we, uh, we moved from Marina del Rey to Santa Monica and all of a sudden we took a drive his first day out of bed. We took a drive to Topanga and um, which is this beautiful mountains and canyons in, in like, you know, in between Santa Monica and Malibu. And somebody told us about this little nature based school that had just started. And I, we went and drove up and checked it out. And the chef there was like, oh, wow, like the kids just caught their own fish today and we cooked them up. And I really want to roast a whole goat. And it was just like music to my ears. I just couldn't believe that, that here was this school chef because, you know, most lunch ladies just don't have this knowledge base or this, you know, desire to roast a goat. And I had showed her my cookbook as if, so I was like, we have to go here. And so we, we ended up getting, you know, great aid and were able to send our triplets there. And then as the school grew, they outsourced the lunches and it just became a little bit more typical. And that was like where I saw the need to step in and that I could help create a better program that was more, um, in line with a nature-based school. It just didn't make sense to be so nature connected, but yet so disconnected from our food sources. So I worked my way in as the snack coordinator. And then I basically kind of just outshined the lunch program by just going to the farmer's market and getting the farmers excited and bringing the farmers in and getting the kids excited. And then halfway through the year, I got the keys to the kitchen 
And I had never cooked in a commercial kitchen in my life. I'd only cooked food for my family of seven. But the head of school said, if I give you these keys, are you ready to, you know, be the lunch lady? And I was just like, okay, yes, yes, I am. And I had one week to prepare and hire some people. And we just sort of jumped in and did the best we could and never looked back. And now it's been three years and we've developed this amazing, very farm to table, nutrient dense, empowering program that I, you know, know can be replicated across the country and scaled up. So that's where I am today. Certainly COVID hit. So when now we're actually, we managed to deliver farm fresh lunch boxes all year. So a box of food and I wrote really simple, easy, beautiful recipes with photographs that the kids could cook up at home each week so that they can be empowered and start owning some of, you know, the, the process of feeding a family. And so that's where we are right now. And, um, and I've got, uh, the Lunch Leader Training Academy, where we've trained people from all over the country and hopefully around the globe. We had to cancel last summer, but where they come into Topanga and they learn the, tr the traditional methods of cooking and the foundation of food as medicine, and they get submerged in nature. And the idea is to, to give them that life-changing experience and knowledge so that they then go back into their communities and can scratch the surface and dive into whatever. It doesn't have to be, I know not everybody wants to be a lunch lady or leader, but you can go into a hospital. You can just cook for your family. You can change people bit by bit. And so um, we've got that. And then we've just started a podcast with one of my fellow lunch ladies called The Soul Show, which is School of Lunch. Our company's called School of Lunch. So people can sign up for a newsletter and join the community. But that's it's just really all about empowerment and waking parents up to, you know, not, you don't even have to be a parent. I mean, it's so important, as you know, to get people as young as possible to to grasp it and to want it you know because the the fear now especially these days of of being sick is i think we have a pandemic of fear and that that hurts my heart because it's i know how well we can be if we just really slow down and tune some things out and tune in to what we intuitively know to be real right yeah that's right so, that's right it's an absolutely amazing story i mean talk about the snowball effect you just started with this one little perhaps light bulb idea and then run with it and then you finally yeah. figured out all of western price and then looked into the gaps diet and like i say things perhaps snowball for you and then you got onto this uh, super train that you're on now and it's great for people to see it's great for people to see that there could just be that one moment that starts it all off that one thing you know, you don't necessarily have to look at somebody, let's say, like yourself, see where you are now and say, I could never be there. I could never do that. You have to realize that everybody started somewhere at some point. And it only takes that one little change or that one thing in your life to think, perhaps I'm doing this wrong. Perhaps I need to do something different. And look what could happen. You know, something yeah. like yourself that, that could happen. And well, it's, it's, a no, it's, it's a no shame type of thing, because what what's happened is that we've we've lost that ancestral wisdom being passed down. It's been broken. Like I'm just officially convinced. I used to say like, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a grandmother that was living with you, that maybe passes down or a mom that was passionate or dad passionate about cooking, you're the lucky ones. But for the most part, you know, people don't turn to their kitchens for medicine as, you know, first, first steps anymore. And so it's not really our fault. It just is what it is. And so we meet you where you are. 
And that's where I want to just extend the olive branch to everybody and say, just forget the shame and the blame and the confusion. Just decide to make a baby step. And today will be better than, you know, yesterday. And then you just keep going forward and keep learning because it's not, it doesn't take a long time to gain this information and you can change your health in weeks, in months. It doesn't have to be this lifelong thing. And so I just encourage people, it's a blip in your lifetime, right? Right. So, yeah. Excellent. Brilliant. Yeah. Just make that one thing change and it may lead to extra things. And then like you say, once you start putting th extra things in there, something on top of something else on top of something else, and then you really start to learn what's going on. You really start to dig deep into nutrition and, and perhaps find out where you was going wrong all that time. And yeah. like you say, nutrition can be medicine. I mean, I don't like to say nutrition is medicine, but it can be medicine. It can help yeah. with certain things. You know, if you refine it and you make sure that you are having your nutrient dense foods and you're giving your body what it needs, then our bodies have got its own very unique abilities to be able to work out what it needs and how it can function. And if we treat it right, give it what it wants, then it will, will reward you back. And like yeah. you say, so unfortunate that things have been lost along the years. Like there is the research and the studies out there, like the Western Ace, Western A uh, uh, Prize Foundation, all that was out there for everybody to see, for everybody to read. Yeah, it seems to have got lost in the ether a little bit. And it's such a shame that doctors and pharmacies and nutritionalists all seem to ignore this type of evidence and and go go more into antibiotics or, or drugs or think that it's perhaps a better route to go. And the reason I really like your cookbook, let's touch on your cookbook. The reason I really like your cookbook is because, like you say, it reminds me of my grandma's cookbook. No, yeah. my grandma's cookbook was add a bit of this, add a bit of that, add a bit of the other. And those are like, add, a, add some animal fat, uh, add, add some, you know, homegrown produce, add this, add that. There was very little measurements in there at all. It was just yeah. add this, add that, add the other. And uh, it was all about bone broths and using lard and using mm. beef, beef dripping and using all the good produce out there that you could. And um, that's your, your book's similar lies, traditional. I've got the uh, Kindle version because I like to like it on my phone when I'm in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. I do lots of bone broth now as well. And that, that's I have some I right here. I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you could have told me 20 years ago that I would have written a cookbook with lard and tallow and schmaltz and all this stuff, like, you know, in my fat free days, like I, and I'm like 20 pounds lighter than I was in my fat free. I mean, I just, I never would have believed it. And now, but now I feel so liberated and so satiated and happy, you know, I mean, these are foods that are, your body accepts them, right? They're not trying to figure out what it is. It's not like this weird red dye number 40 or high fructose corn syrup or things that are just not natural, right? That your body has to say, wait a minute, like, how am I going to process that? And so why do you think then over the last few years that saturated fat in particular has been put on the bad list as a lot of people have said oh no i'll avoid the fat what's happened why have we tur suddenly turned it into this something bad well you know i mean all i think in the end it really all comes back to money and and you know we we live it's unfortunate i'm trying to to uh, you know i really stay in the hope my whole motto when my husband had cancer was have hope not fear and i I try and walk that walk every day because it is very overwhelming. And the why, like, why are things demonized that have been traditional 
you know, people have used for millennia. Why, why don't people, why don't doctors know this information? Why do they get no nutrition training? Why isn't Western Price's work being taught in every university? Like you can drive yourself crazy with the whys and you know, I've had the weight of the world on my shoulders thinking, I mean, even just yesterday, I'm like, I just want to like change the world. But I mean, like Mother Teresa says, and I probably will get this quote wrong, but it's like, you want to change the world, go home and love your family or something to that degree, because it's hard when you have this sort of calling to change things and you want to see rapid change, but it's like the momentum of everything and the money behind things is and the trajectory is so forceful in the other direction. So really what you can do, what you can own is your own health and the health of your family. And then, you know, you just start putting your information out. I mean, I just, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me why things get demonized except that there's money behind it and there's a, you know, yeah, I and think an, that's an, it. An, an agenda, an agenda. And we're, we're just treating sick people at this point. You know, we're just, and if we're not careful, if we don't start to wake up and we don't start to say, I have to make some changes and I have to actually get in my kitchen. And yeah, it's going to be work, but the reward is so meaningful and worth it. Because otherwise, we're just going to be taking care of sick kids, really, which is why, you know, being a lunch lady is so rewarding because you can wake up these kids on a cellular level, right? And then the kids start infusing this information into the homes and then the moms start, and dads start waking up and saying like, what am I, da my daughter's having bone broth every day or what is sourdough bread and where can I get some, you know? So it's, it's an exciting opportunity to really, uh, to start with the, the young ones, right? Yeah, kind right, of a yeah. different approach yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there i think it is marketing i think it's all these companies realizing that they can put things into food which will make them last longer which will give them a longer shelf life which will perhaps make them more money so their margins are becoming bigger so instead of real food they turn them into something artificial and it is all the time it comes back to money and back to somebody at the top of a big corporation wanting to make more and more money you think about it, these people sat, sat at these big tables at the big top of the corporation. They're not thinking about you. They're not thinking about your health. They're not thinking about what's best to go in your body. What they're thinking about is how can I make my profit margins bigger? So just think about, like you say, real food. And let's yeah. touch a little bit back on the Western A price thing, because some people might not um, realize where he came from. And, and I think uh, he was actually a dentist, wasn't he? And mm -hmm. he wanted to travel the world because he thought a vegan sort of vegetarian style diet would be the type of diet that humans would thrive on, would be the type of diet, type of nutrition that all these people around the world with great skin and great teeth, things like that would be eating. But what he actually found was the opposite. He found all these places that he visited, all these tribes who were eating a lot of animal produce. And you mentioned it earlier, the nutrient-dense foods. So um, what are nutrient-dense foods and how can people start to build them into their own nutrition? Mm, well, and it, it really is quite simple if you when you break it down, I mean, going back to, again, the way your great grandparents ate things like egg yolks and organ meats and, um, you know, the skin of an animal, like we, you know, chicken skin or the, using the, the, um, 
the whole animal. So the feet were the gelatin and uh, the heads and the ears even. I mean, I know Sally Fallon came to our school and I had a big pig's ear in my black beans. And she was like, just that alone is getting so much nutrition into these children. So um, butter and this, the fats, the healthy animal fats. I mean, we have, I think the one, one of the things my kids will take with them is they will always probably have a jar of bacon grease next to their stove uh, or lard or some sort. I remember when we started the GAPS diet, I bought like a quart of lard from a farmer. I was just like, this is going to last forever. And, you know, within weeks it was gone because we were putting a tablespoon of lard or so in every bowl of soup and so the the healthy fats the um protein certainly is is uh so important and also the proper preparation of food so they did have some animal i mean to veg, uh, vegetables and nuts and seeds and grains but they properly prepared them they went to great lengths to make sure they're digestible they had fermented foods raw foods like raw dairy raw cheese uh, that haven't been, uh, you know, the enzymes in them haven't been destroyed. So, you know, I think raw milk is probably the, the thing that most people are afraid of. And I can tell people right now, my kids, my family has been drinking raw milk for 17, no, uh, 14 years and happy, healthy, strong, you know, so you're not going to drop dead. You want to know your farmer for sure. But what happens is really the, the, enzyme lactase, which is needed to digest the lactose is completely destroyed when you pasteurize it. So your body is like, well, what, a, what is this lactose? They don't know how to handle it, right? So um, when you destroy things that are inherently in real food, you denature them and make them indigestible. And so, so yeah, the fermented foods, the healthy fats, the organ meats, the, um, you know, the feet and the heads and all that good stuff. And it's just so important. Yeah, when you think about it, it's only really a generation away, like we've said about our grandparents and things. They knew about all this. They knew what was right and that they knew what would help us feed our kids and feed our own nutrition to make us healthy. Um, so for some, somehow we've lost it through that generation. <clears throat> we just need to find it again. And the way we can do that is look into the past, look at our ancestors, you know, look at what they had, look at tribes today, look at what they do. None of them go to the local shop to buy any bread or anything that's been produced. They, they raise their own cattle, drink, drink milk straight from the cow, have blood, things like that. So all we have to do, we don't have to look far. All we have to and do. You have what's around you, right? If you have access to more fish and maybe you're eating fish row and, you know, or seal blubber or whatever it is, but just think about, you know, tune into what, really makes sense like eat seasonally and you know we didn't have access to blueberries 365 days a year so you eat things when they come in and you enjoy them and then they move out and then you enjoy them again even more because they've been gone for a while so uh we're just we're just very confused and understandably confused but that's where i think that um that intuition is has got to be tapped into and turned on because it's there it's innate inside of us and when you feel it i don't think most people know what it feels like to feel good and that's our goal with these kids is to show them what it feels like to feel good because they are going to go and go off the rails either on the weekends or go to college and but then they feel it right you feel crappy when all of a sudden you've got you know a body full of sugar all of a sudden and and you're like wait a minute that didn't feel great and 
or you eat your school lunch and you feel really great. So we also did um, a citizen science project where we put continuous blood glucose monitors on the kids, not all the kids, but kids and parents and teachers and chefs to, sh to really empower people to know that, you know, directly food, how food directly affects your health. And you can instantly know if you're spiking your blood glucose levels. And so it was really a way, especially for, as a chef, if you're going to put food in front of a child and you know in your heart that that's just basically driving them into the medical system, like most school food is, I would have a really hard time going to sleep at night. And somebody said, Warren Brush, who's this, um, he started um, uh, Quail Springs Permaculture Farms up north a little ways. He said, one of his, in one of his travels, one indigenous person said, the hardest or the longest and hardest journey are the five hand lengths from your head to your heart. And so we have to start thinking, get, tapping into our heart space because if any adult looks at a typical school lunch, you cannot in good conscience say that it's promoting health. And I'm sorry, but I don't care how much money a school loses or we're losing our children. And we've lost, we're losing our health like every day. And so to me, it makes, you know, I just wanna be able to go to bed at night and feel like I've done good work and helped some people. Yeah, right? I think it, again, it comes back around to the knowledge factor because I think some people think, that um, their kids are having nutritious meals, that they're, they're, they're having fries, which are potatoes, they're having burgers, so they've got a, a meat and bread, and, and they think perhaps that is a nutritious meal. So again, we come back to the knowledge of knowing mm -hmm. where our ancestors came from, what is nutrient dense food, what will help us with our body. And I was going to ask you about the CGM because I'm very interested in the results. How did the kids respond to it? Did they think it was a good idea? And did it did it really open their eyes to it? Or, or were kids just being kids? Yeah, no, I mean, I can tell you one uh, good example was, uh, I think he was a junior in high school, came up to me and said, Hillary, I, I ate a beautiful BLT at school. So I make like homemade long ferment sourdough bread with locally grown grains and freshly milled. And he had that with beautiful mayonnaise and bacon, lettuce, tomato. And, uh, you know, his blood glucose, you know, it went up a little bit, but not just pretty, pretty even. And then he went home that night and he had six gummy worms and his blood glucose level just shot up and then crashed. And so for him, it was just this eye-opening experience of, wow, huh? You know, look what that did to my body. And most people don't just stop at six gummy worms. And even if you think about a five-year-old and the candy and the treats and the, I mean, I feel like literally every corner you turn, there's somebody or something trying to entice your child to eat processed junk food and sugar. So for him, he, it's not that he won't ever go eat a gummy worm again, but now he has that knowledge that maybe he'll stop it two or three or won't have them or won't feed them to his kids someday. Or, you know, it's just, a, it's an empowerment tool. And I think for moms also seeing uh, the night, like, you know, five o'clock rolls around and the glass of wine leads to three glasses of wine or whatever, and then the sleep disruption. And so it's, it's quite interesting. And we did really see that the school lunch is not, I mean, what we did a little video, um, like a little 12 minute, 
mini documentary and a little sixth grade boy, this is before we did the CGMs, he said, unprompted, he took his hand. He said, I used to feel like this all day long, up yeah, and down. Roller and, coaster then, effect, and now yeah. I just feel like this. And I was just like, hey, that's our 30 second commercial right there. Like, that's exactly what we want. And these kids, like he just felt it. He felt it. And he didn't know probably how to express before that he was feeling up and down all day long until he felt what it felt like to feel even, right? So it's, uh, it's, really, it's really cool to see. And I think that these kids will probably look back someday and say, wow, I had this crazy lunch lady who, you know, hopefully they think, well, she really cared about us, but they'll have the, the vocabulary of raw kefir and even just raw dairy. We're so blessed in California to have access to it, but bone broths and fermented foods and beet kvass and, you know, all these things and soaking your beans and sprouted nuts and stuff like that. So, um, so it's cool. It's cool. It's, yeah, it's I think it's amazing to, to start with the kids because if you can get the knowledge into your children, into the kids, then like you say, they're going to go home and their parents are going to see this and they're going to talk to the parents about bone broth, about sourdough bread, and the parents can be like, you know, what, what's this sort of thing and, and what does it do to you? And then the child can show show their parents that they was up, spiking up and then dropping down and talked about a roller coaster effect of insulin and glucose, blood glucose before. And if you can keep those blood sugars and insulin stable throughout the whole day wow do you feel so much better there is no highs and then super lows after every high you always feel a, a low because you, you drop your blood glucose overcompensates right. and and drops far too low so if these children can go away and start educating their parents and educating everybody around them wow what a great thing to do and it's super cool yeah. that you're starting with all the school kids well, to do that i mean we have their stomachs for six hours a day <laughs> so we're getting snack and lunch into them so it really can make a huge impact and if you think about i mean this school now is uh fourth through 12th and next year we'll start kindergarten through all the way through so uh i mean we have a big uh mountain to climb in terms of reaching you know th this message across the globe but i believe so wholeheartedly that things are turning and this is a time where people are waking up to the fact that they have an immune system and they have some control over what uh state of health it's in right we can't control everything but food is i always say food is foundational and it's something that we we need to try and do the best we can you know buy what you can afford and cook real food you don't have to be perfect you don't have to you just do the best you can you just really yeah that's it that's brilliant just buy, do what you can buy the real food and and go home and, and start getting in your kitchen i mean mm. i talked to uh, dr bill schindler i don't know if you know him but he's such an advocate of it doesn't matter what you make it doesn't matter how you make it just get in your kitchen and make it <laughs> well you have control as soon as you put your health into someone else's hands you lose control even when you go to the nicest restaurants they're mostly, I mean, they might be buying the most gorgeous ingredients in this grass fed beef or whatever. And, but unfortunately they're mostly all using soybean canola oil, processed nasty seed oils that I believe that's like maybe the number one killer. That's just a silent killer that people don't know. They just don't know. And, and the restaurants feel like they're, I mean, again, it comes down to money, but I, what's the point of buying these beautiful ingredients if you're going to murder it with like, I mean, murder, quote unquote, with bad, toxic, poisonous vegetable oils, right? Yeah, the uh, the omega-6 linolenic acid, which yeah, we have just... touched on in this podcast before, but 
because you've obviously been uh, in touch with the GAPS diet and, and done a lot of research in the GAPS diet, maybe you could help us understand how this omega-6 linoleic acid plays havoc with our microbiome and, and um, stops us being able to absorb all the, the good stuff from our food. Well, I can explain leaky gut, really. Um, and that's that, I mean, this, this I think is really important for parents and people to understand. And I'm going to put it in layman's terms because I'm not the big, I'm not the right one to explain all the, the science of, uh, you know, maybe linoleic acid and all of that. But what I can say is that your microbiome is the headquarters of your immune system and it is teeming with bacteria and it has good bacteria and bad bacteria, viruses, fungi, all this stuff. We just live symbiotically with everything that surrounds us. And what's happening is when the bad bacteria outweigh the good, is that that's what can wear down the little villi, which are like grass-like structures on the um, lining of your intestinal or your intestinal lining, they get worn down, they get shaved down like a lawnmower. And then these cracks get created in your gut lining and things that are supposed to stay in, you know, you're supposed to eat and things go in one end and out the other, but they get out into the bloodstream and your body sees them as foreign and can, will launch an attack. And it can be an autoimmune response. Things can cross the blood brain barrier and cause neurological issues. And so I would say most people have some form of leaky gut, but the other really important thing to recognize is that when you know, so my microbiome, my gut flora is not anywhere as diverse and rich as my great grandmother's. And what happens is when a baby goes through the birth canal, they swallow a big gulp of bacteria, which is their first inoculation of their microbiome. So these babies typically today, when I wrote my cookbook, it was like 287 toxins in the average baby's cord blood. And then they're born inheriting poor gut flora from their moms, then they might get a vaccine day one of life, then they might get antibiotics from a ear infection, which is so typical these days, or antibiotics for something, you know, they're just so typical, it's so typical that a child is put on them quickly, or uh, early on in life, and then, which wipes out all the good and bad bacteria, and there's no real roadmap as to how, re how to rebuild that, a lot of babies aren't breastfed, Again, you do the best you do the best you can, but these are the cumulative effect of all these things, these toxins and and lack of nourishment that these babies are getting. So when that and then we start them on processed foods, right? And so when that bad that's all feeding, it's the proliferation of the bad bacteria. And so they outweigh the good, and then you create the leaky gut. And so you cannot say that one baby is identical to the next is identical to the next. And so that's where I think we go very wrong as well is that we think there are these blanket things that all babies will respond the same, but you have no idea what they've inherited. You have no idea of their genetics. You have no idea what they're predisposed to. And so we have to, I mean, I feel like for crying out loud, just let the baby be born and, and relax. And like, just, you know, we don't need to hammer it with all these things. And, but unfortunately so many babies are born, uh, not thriving, right? And so there's interventions and it's it's just, we, we have to, so if I can wake up moms to start feeding their children nutrient-dense foods from a young age, and then these, this next generation of moms will have, again, this rich, diverse 
microbiome with beautiful bacteria that they can pass on. That's how we're going to start to reverse things. But right now, you know, it's, yeah, that's, that's the best thing we can do as, as parents. You know, the best thing we can do is now equip our ch children with the tools they need to be able to build their, their own, their, their better, perhaps more diverse, at least healthier microbiome than and maybe they was born with or, or than perhaps we have ourselves. But if we right. can equip them with all the tools and all the nutrition and everything that they need to be able to live um, perhaps a healthier life than what we did when we were children, um, and they're in a better, better state, to, yeah. state to do that. Well, and you yeah. can set them up with a foundation. So like a lot of grandparents, a lot of people have problems with grandparents, right? Because they're like, oh, well, we ate this junk and we're fine and we're living and, you know, doing well. But what they're forgetting is that when they were babies and when they were born and when they were, you know, their first decade or two of life, that foundation was so solid. It wasn't until their later years that things changed. And so now we're we're starting off with a very um, unstable, not solid foundation for our youth. And so it's going to add up faster. And you're, we're seeing 20 somings and even less younger than that. You know, what's wrong with me? I like I'm constipated or I have IBS or I have, you, you name it, depression, anxiety, ADHD. I mean, it's, it's just, and, and so when these young kids are supposed to be out pursuing their dreams and figuring out what they want to do with life. They're trying to heal themselves. Yeah. I so. think you touched upon it earlier about the cumulative effects because some people will speak to you and say, Oh, well, well I'm all right. You know, I've eaten all these processed foods or whatever. Uh, I've eaten as much of the, the, this process as I like, and, and I'm feeling okay. But then down the line, that might not be the case. So by you say, like you say, the cumulative effects. So what happens is your body never actually manages to get top side of it. So you can eat processed food and omega-6 linolenic acid and, and a lot of carbohydrates, highly high processed food, which are high in carbohydrates, high in fat, high in everything. Your body never manages to get top side of what you're doing unless you go through, um, we, we run a reset program to reset your body, you know, for a month or so, just to try and get top side of what's going on in your body. If you never do that and you keep on with the... Um, adding to it and adding to it, keep on with the cumulation of it all, then eventually something's going to happen. You're going to get IBS. You're going to get an autoimmune disease. And people don't realize that. They just think I'm okay right now, right at this moment. I feel fine. And what I've eaten from the past has been okay for me, but I'm trying to get across to people that you may not always be like, if you don't change your nutrition to a more nutrient dense, start thriving on nutrient dense foods and start limiting that processed food taking it out altogether if you possibly can out of your diet then something's waiting down the line I, i've referred to yeah. it before as um a car accident you know you, you, your car accident you don't want it to happen you do everything you can to your car give it good tires you know make sure it has an mot make sure it's roadworthy so you avoid the accident so you should do the same with your body yeah well it's like it's like if it's not it's not if it's when, right? When, it's yeah. going to happen. Something will happen. And the million dollar question is, you know, how do you wake people up before the wake up call? But sometimes it takes, it takes the wake up call. But what I, I like to do too, is bring people back to, to nature and to like, we look at our surroundings and we're photographing things and we're in awe of the beautiful peacock or that amazing insect or flower or whatever. We just think this is, absolutely amazing like the the head of school we went on a 
a camping trip maybe six years ago and we're all in like up in the redwoods and we're all circled up all the kids and he stands us all there and he's like look at these giant redwoods you know at the base of every redwood are these billions of microbes keeping it thriving and alive and I wanted to just scream like, you are a redwood. You are no different than anything in nature. Like, I feel like if we could just unzip ourselves and see how miraculous we are. We have systems working 24 seven to keep us upright and speaking and walking and all these amazing things. And we don't give ourselves that respect. We would not water our flowers with gasoline. Why are we putting poison into our bodies? but it's, it's just a disconnect. Because I think like you said earlier, like I went to look at a school where it was all disabled kids and the head of school was showing me around. I asked about the lunch program. He said, oh, the kids run the snack program and they're serving up like Rice Krispie treats and pretzels and all packaged junk. And they said, and for lunch, we bring in like Pollo Loco and look at it. if we go outside, we'll be lucky enough to smell the French fries from McDonald's. And I just was, my jaw was on the ground. Here's this woman who's feeding kids are already compromised, but she was proud of their program and had no, it was so disconnected. It was so clear to me that she had no idea. She just really believed that this was great. So if we can remind ourselves that we are designed to work, we are designed to live symbiotically with our surroundings. We're designed to be in homeostasis. Just a century ago, right? We were not you didn't see people that were obese. Yeah, right? I think didn't... because of our disconnect from nature, we've we've actually taken ourselves, we've we've built these brick walls around us, we've put roofs on our heads, we've we've kind of disconnected ourselves from nature. But like you said there, we are nature. That's what we, we are. are. We are part nature. of nature. And that's why we feel so good when we get outside and we get in the sun and our body thrives it, our body body wants it. So Think about if you maybe if you've got like a, a plant or, or something and you've like you say, feeding it water, think about your own body, you know, look yeah. after it, you know, don't it, feed it, it just poison. Walk, you walk in integrity every day. Just try and make choice. Like you, every choice has a consequence. So you're not going to be perfect. We're not asking that of people. We're just do just think about treat yourself, you know, with integrity and have some self-respect. And I think, I mean, there's so much to it, right? There's so much emotion that ties into ill health. And, uh, but that's where it's a calling really to, uh, to quiet our minds, turn off the noise. There's so much information about diet and dogma. I mean, there's just every, now there's like, I just, God love Mark Hyman, but he's got a new book, The Pegan Diet. And I'm like, here we go. This is going to be the new key trigger word for everybody's going to go pegan. And it's like, I just want to scream, just eat real food. Like just, you know, but people want that magic bullet. And what I've realized too, is like in trying to figure out answers for my daughter with epilepsy, there is no magic bullet necessarily. We, we have, we are at a point where, you know, some things are broken, right? Or, I mean, I believe we all can heal miraculously. I believe anything really can be healed, but it's a lifestyle choice. It's a, it's healthy habits. It's taking care of your mind. And, um, you know, it's, there's, there's just not one thing you're not going to miraculously, but you can go on specific quote unquote diets or protocols to 
reboot, restart, but it doesn't have to be your mantra for the rest of your life. Just get back on track and then just liberate yourself, empower yourself with the tools and then go live because That's we're it, forgetting, yeah. we're forgetting what it means to sit around the kitchen table, to talk to one another, to decompress, to nourish on a level that's, that's your cells are responding to everything, right? I mean, that's why we have hormones and all, you know, like, you know what it feels like when a, you're attracted to somebody and you feel it in your body, right? They respond to all of it. So for my daughter, I've realized like, you know, she may never be completely seizure free. And that's hard to swallow, right? I've tried the ketogenic, I've tried that three times, I've tried everything I feel like, but what I can do for her is give her the toolkit for life to do the best she can to be, you know, have the healthiest habits and the least amount of stress and to sleep well and to be grateful. And, and that's all I can do. And I can't destroy myself because I can't fix everything. Right. And I, and I've learned like watching my, my own children go through the school lunch line. I'm like, I'm like the cobbler whose kids have no shoes. I'm like, could you just take a vegetable or take, you know, there. So I have to let, you have to let a lot go as a parent. Right. And, and be kind to yourself and just show up and model for them every day. And I have to eat my own words right now because it's a practice. It's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, like like you say, that's great. That's great because like you've said there about your family, you know, basically you just got to go and live your lifestyle, but have all the foundation and all the knowledge that you could possibly have, which will give you the best chance at a best lifestyle that you possibly could. If you've got all yeah. that knowledge and all that foundation and you're giving it to your children, like you say, and you're letting them discover as well as children do, you know, no, no child's going to be perfect. Nobody's going to be perfect. Everybody's going to discover and, and go and have a cake here and, and go and yeah. try this processed food there. Everybody's going to do it. But if you've got the knowledge behind you as to what's happening in your body when, when you do those things and why your body works the way it does and why it responds in the way it does, because of all what you're putting in your body and what you're giving your body, the nutrition you're giving your body. And that's a great thing to have. I think knowledge is the key there. And I think also it was like you was um, uh, part of my team then when you were saying everybody needs to reset and then we live a lifestyle after that, because that's what I try and say to everybody. It's, it's fine. There's those diets out there like keto, like carnivore, paleo, whatever, wherever you want to look. And people like you say are coming up with new ones all of the time. And vegan's the big one at the moment. But I believe that even if you wanted to look into the vegan route, then great. Let your body reset. Have a time where you're just giving yourself something to think about. Give yourself that knowledge. Give yourself a little bit of how does my body respond when I do this? And it, we run four-week programs for everybody to reset. I usually use a, a carnivore keto-style one because that's mm -hmm. where all the, the nutrients are, I believe. And after that, I say, right, go live your life. You know, now, you know, I've given you the tools. Now you don't have to follow keto. You don't have to follow carnivore. Obviously I'll, I'll carry on working with you if that's what you want, but just find out how your body works. Yeah. And you'll know, like, I mean, I know there's layers of disease. I mean, my co-author couldn't eat, she couldn't taste test half the foods that I was cooking because she had like SIBO and fructose malabsorption and all these things that were kind of layers that like, so no onions, no garlic. I mean, now, you know, there's just like, it's massive. So you have to tune into your own 
body and what works for you. If you eat something and you react, hey, probably not a good idea to introduce that right now, but maybe try it again when you do a little more healing. That's what's so beautiful about the GAPS diet is you move forward at your own pace and you really listen, you learn to listen to your body and what's, you know, if there's no reaction, great, you know, move forward. And it's not meant to be a diet for life. But one thing I was going to say is that I want to put this little phrase out there is that we are now the ancestors in training. We need to become, you know, we're here and we're learning this and we're here to pass it on. And it's a a new generation that is going to pass down the wisdom. So we can once again have those lines that continue on forever. But uh, the other thing I wanted to say is that I see it it's really hard for me as the lunch lady to witness the confusion in the kids and trying to make a dietary choice to save the environment or, you know, they've seen a movie and they think this is the way to go or their friend said, I lost five pounds doing this. So I'm going to do this. Or, I mean, you name it, I've heard it. And it's like really hard for me. I mean, now I'm kind of just, I have to kind of let them experience things and step back and say, I do always inquire why, like, what is their reason for, but they blow with the wind. And sure enough, usually, you know, they might go vegan for two weeks and they see bacon and they're like, well, I'm back. I definitely want to have bacon today. (laughs) You know, so they, they intuitively contended, but you know, like there are a lot of children that are like me that I was very rigid and I thought I figured it out and I was going to not let any fat cross my lips And that was going to keep me healthy and strong and a great athlete. And I was very committed to that. Right. And so I think, especially now with our environment in such a mess that a lot of, you know, the narrative is to not eat meat to save the planet. And I mean, I, I applaud the children for trying to do what's right, but, or not what's right, what they think may be right, but they're, they have no idea. And parents have no idea the sacrifice that might be happening on a cellular level, level as they're growing their brains and growing bodies. And you only have one chance to do that, right? So don't make decisions based on a whim and don't allow your kids. I mean, that's where the modeling, and you do have to allow them to, you know, my mom could have, t- she did tell me a million times, you know, you have to eat more. Cause I got really like, you know, more like eating very little and trying to be super skinny and all that. But, and you don't want to listen to your parents, but it's that open discussion and the showing up every day with the nutrient dense foods and with, this is the way we eat in our family. And I know what's good for your brain. And this is the way our ancestors ate. And, you know, if you want to try something, let me know how, we just have to support them, right? Because you can't necessarily change your mind, but we're guides, right? We're guides and we're mentors and uh, it's just, it's important. I think that's that's a brilliant thing to say and you hit the nail on the head there what i always say to everybody is if they come to me if anybody comes to me or anybody says i'm going to eat this way because it's better or i'm going to do this because of that i'll say why you know you you need to know why if you're doing let's say a meatless monday which i hope you don't do at your place <laughs> if, if anybody's doing that i'll say why why are you doing this and then a lot of the time they'll come back and say oh well it's because you know, we're saving the planet and then you into the whole discussion of it's not saving the planet and and sustainable meats and sustainable farming and and things like that okay yeah regenerative farming needs to take over the world let's say 
but it's all these animal feedlots and things which are are in, in the media which people see and that's where all the let's not eat meat comes from but again it's something people need to be educated on and once you get into that why once you get into that why are you eating this why do you think that way if people can answer you honestly and people can tell you the backstory as to why they get into it then that's brilliant that's the knowledge that's that's what we're trying to get across there learn learn your own knowledge if you can say what you're putting on your plate in front of you at meal times and you say why am i putting this on my plate why am I eating this food? And if you can answer that honestly, then there you go. There's your knowledge. And that's what I want to try and get across to people is think about it. You know, think about the the knowledge you're empowering yourself with and then leading on to your children, empowering your children with too. And how, like, how are you getting your protein? How are you, you know, how many cups of beans do you have to eat to get an adequate amount of protein? You're not going to eat that much, right? Or how are you getting your fat soluble vitamins? I mean, I mean, I shove as much ghee into these vegetarian kids as I can. I just, but I try and educate them about the healthy fats and, uh, and you can only do what you can do, but those are the things that you hope translate on a cellular level that they, they feel good. Right. And, and ultimately, yes, they have to, that's where I, I hope people will wake up to understanding it a little bit more. It's not complicated, but you have to invest in wanting to know how your body works and what it needs to thrive. You cannot trust that someone's going to come to rescue you or that somebody has, you just can't trust. I mean, I have people I trust. Listen, the Weston A. Price Foundation changed my life and I I'm so grateful for the work that they do. And I can always, I feel like Google things and put Western price after it and get some good, you know, conscious person on the other end who's done some good research. And I uh, am grateful for that. And so you find your people that you know, and that you trust and that makes sense, but don't, don't base your decisions on a whim or a fad because look at things that have lasted for hundreds of years, right? We don't go out in nature and find pirate booty or, uh, you know, this shake or that shaker. It's, it's common sense, but we're bombarded with marketing and uh, misinformation all the time. So it's human nature to fall for those things, I think. Yeah, that's right. You know, become your own scientist in a way. Make sure you know what you're doing and, and why you're doing it and how you're doing it as well, how it's working with with your own body. If more people were like us when we first started was, well, why am I doing this? And, and how does it work? And and even if you find somebody, like you say, you find somebody who you think, oh yeah, this might be interesting. I'll follow this way. Perhaps somebody's listening to us today thinking, well, these guys seem to know what's going on. Perhaps I'll follow their advice. Well, don't just take our word for it. Go out there, research it, look into it, you know, perhaps get Western A. Price's book, look into your own cookbook and, and things like that. And, and, you know, actually go out there and research into why you think. And then you can dive off into any sort of way you go. I mean, we've we've touched on um, things like why animal animal proteins are better than vegetable proteins and into bioavailability of, of vitamins and minerals. And there's all sorts of ways you could dive into it. I feel like I could talk to you forever but I realize now that we've been talking a long time and I don't want to take up all of your day so I'll thank you very very much for talking to us yeah thank you thank you so much I really appreciate it I hope this has uh struck a chord or nerve whatever the expression is for some people and I'm available uh always people can ping me on Instagram which is school of lunch or go to our website I 
I just um, have that sort of insatiable desire to help and pass down the knowledge that I, you know, I wish that I had known back then what I know now. And so, uh, so yeah, so. So if you could say to people then uh, who are thinking, okay, I'll try something different tomorrow. What could they do tomorrow to start off on their better optimized health nutrition that they could be looking for? Well, I would say find your local food system, find your local farmers. And actually the Weston A. Price Foundation has chapter leaders all across the world. You can go to their website and search your town and they will send you, you know, there's a name of somebody who's in that area. Like when I moved to California, I looked right up the chapter leader and they are designed to connect you to all of your resources. So it's, uh, just start scratching the surface and start finding those eggs down the road or that pastured chicken or the real go buy real butter, right? Butter is so, oh, it's like my favorite thing. So, and, and just start finding your tribe and leading by example, decide to cook dinner together and sit around the kitchen table. Just decide to start, you know, one day at a time. That's it. That's great. Just decide to start, just pick it up and run with it. That's the best thing you can do. And I, th- I think we need to mention the title of your cookbook. I don't know if we've done it yet. It's Heal Your Gut. The, is Heal Your Gut. The, yeah. the Heal Your Gut Cookbook. Yep. Yeah, you got the cookbook, Heal Your yeah. Gut. And that is, like I say, that is full of nutrient-dense things. Like if you've never made your own bone broth, if you've never got in your kitchen before, then this book really will inspire you to do that. So go out there, have a look in that. Like I say, i got a Kindle version because it's great just to look on your phone when you're in the kitchen. And uh, yeah. thank you very much for joining us, Hillary. It's been, it's been thank amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Let's uh, stay in touch and keep inspiring people together. Definitely. Well, that was great. I really could have talked to Hillary all day. We even carried on our conversation via email long after our recording of the podcast. So we seem to get on rather well. I think she would like to come chat with us again sometime to dive more into food preparation and the best cooking practices, what type of things to use in the kitchen. I know I'd love to carry on the conversation and dive deeper into those subjects. However, looking forward into the next few weeks, we take more of an in-depth look at subjects like sugar and how marketing is forcing it into our lives and our kids' nutrition. We'll look at fasting, when to fast, when not to fast, and different types of fasting. And also, I'm looking forward to introducing some case studies from real people who have transformed their lives. So there's plenty to come on the podcast, but until then, go follow Hillary at School of Lunch on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Check out our recipes and our services on our website, humannutritionlifestyle.com, where you can actually get a four-week reset day-to-day plan like what we talked about, specifically designed to you and your specific goals. We even do more advanced plans for athletes or people just looking for that next level. So go have a look and check them out. But thanks for listening. Stay safe. Be happy. I'll see you next time.